Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zendependently Minded. If you are a new or returning listener, I truly hope you enjoy this episode. And before we get into today's episode, here's a brief word from our sponsor. How's it going, guys? It's your boy, Nikolai Patrashev, back at it with another episode of Ridiculousness. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm doing well. It's the first episode I've done in a couple weeks. Skipped last week, had to take a break so I could fly to Mariupol, and that's where I'm doing this episode live from right now. Uh, Obviously, no video. I'm actually, I'm actually building, or I, I'm, I purchased a rig, as they call it. I got a computer, so I could hack Bitcoin, and so I could mine Ethereum, and it's on its way. And so my setup, my desk is kind of completely clear. Uh, I don't have my camera on my lighting setup, so I'll get that taken care of when the when the rig comes. And yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. So sorry if you really wanted to see. My beautiful hairline and my large nose, but you have to wait till the next episode. So, first things first, I always tell you guys, you know, I thank, I thank you for feedback, whether it's positive, negative, and I get a little bit of positive feedback from people that I don't know and people I do know. And there's one person in particular that I keep getting negative feedback from. And it's just, uh, I wanted to address the criticisms that I was given. I'm not going to read off exactly word for word what the person said. But basically at the end of the day, the person was telling me, for this is actually not the first time I've been told to stop making the podcast. I've been told, uh, not stop making the podcast, but only do UFC, only do combat sports, bro, because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You keep on spewing right-wing talking points. This is what I was told uh, in this most recent uh, cringe fest. I was told that I don't know what I'm talking about, I know nothing about politics, I know nothing about the things I'm saying, I constantly get things wrong, I constantly spew right-wing talking points, and I need to stop talking about politics because I don't know what I'm talking about, but it seems like I don't care, which is is weird that you would, you know, you would draft up all these criticisms, this really long list of critiques just to end up being like, oh, well, you don't care anyway. So so why waste your fucking time if you don't think I care? First of all, I do care. I care about all criticism. I take it to heart, and I try to take it and um, use it to my benefit, use it to as inspiration, as motivation, and as fuel to improve. Unfortunately, there's not really any valid criticism here, I think. I don't know where right-wing talking points, what what right-wing talking points I'm talking about uh, is coming from. Apparently, blaming, you know, putting a a, a bit of blame on the President of the United States for their policies and how it's damaged the strong, robust, damn near record-breaking, powerful economy that Donald Trump, you know, was largely responsible for. Apparently, that's Incorrect. If uh, if I knew anything about politics, I wouldn't blame the economy on the president, who he hasn't, which has uh, he has no control over, according to this person. So, right wing talking points. Number one. Number one. Complaining about the economy. Complaining that my money is ten percent less valuable. Complaining about gas prices. This is a right wing talking point. So I hope ninety nine percent of the United States knows that they're labeled as a right wing lunatic 
that's spewing right-wing talking points. Another thing that I've been big on is... I'm actually going to talk about it in a different form later on in this episode. But, COVID. It's a right-wing talking point to say that people have the right to do what they want to with their own body. That's that's a right-wing talking point, apparently. Um, calling out Black Lives Matter for taking shadow money, another thing I'm going to talk about in this episode. Calling out Black Lives Matter for spending donor money on a luxury home and then in uh, Southern California and then taking a lazy defense of saying, one, this is going to be used for, uh, you know, as a campus for Black Lives Matter. And two, it's a big deal when black people obtain property. That's a right wing talking point. Calling out a charity, uh, a nonprofit organization for blatantly misusing and failing to uphold morals and ethics behind what values their donors think that they're donating for. That's a right-wing talking point. I've talked about this before, and I'm I'm going to say it again. The internet and social media has made people like this, the person complaining, the person telling me that I'm spewing right-wing talking points, a person that I respect, that I still respect, less and less these days, but I still respect them as a human being and as a person that has opinions, it social media and the internet has given people a platform to inflate their ego so this person thinks that i genuinely give two three or four flying fucks about what they have to say about me spewing right-wing talking points and how i need to stop talking about politics on my podcast because i'm saying things that at the end of the day sometimes they could be inaccurate i've addressed the inaccuracies and the, the, the fake news that I've fallen for before, like the Snake Island video with the Ukraine. Um, I I do my research. I always look into these things. I'm always as unbiased and as fair as possible. But at the end of the day, I'm a human being. And I don't think that there were really any genuine criticisms here. And at the end of the day, I've said it before. These people think... That their opinions, that the way they vote, the way that they live, the things that they believe, which they actually don't, especially with this person. Most of the fucking things that this person pretends to stand for don't actually apply to them. They don't give a shit. They're a spoiled rich kid who grew up in a very, very fancy neighborhood, gated neighborhood in California. Their parents gave them everything. They've never had to deal with conflict in, in, in any serious sense. They just don't have an identity. I've noticed that people who grew up with more opportunities, uh, I guess you could call it privileged, they tend to have a lack of identity because they've been sheltered their entire life. They've never had to go through anything to build or form some kind of identity. And that's the, that's the case with this person. This person clings to left-wing talking points, unironically, because he thinks that it'll get him pussy. And, uh, yeah. It's it's sad. I've seen him complain about things like marijuana, doesn't smoke weed, doesn't actually care about marijuana, doesn't apply to him and his family, just wants to because, you know, it'll get him pussy. It's one of those things where it's like, hey man, I'm glad you're listening to the podcast. I'm I'm getting advertisement money now because you're listening to the podcast. And I see right through the bullshit. 
You don't actually care about these issues. They've never applied to you. Stop pretending that you're virtuous. Stop pretending that you're selfless. Stop pretending that you're a genuine human being with who can form their own opinions and generate their own thought process. Because I know you. I've known you for a long time. It's not that serious. I'm not going to stop doing the doing uh, political talking points on the podcast. I'm going to continue to be consistent with my research, consistent with my honesty, consistent with, you know, the way I run things here, and you can keep crying about it. I'm the one building the audience. I'm the one whose audience has exploded hundreds of percent just in the two years that I've been doing it. I'm doing something right. And if I am spewing right-wing talking points, start your own podcast and debunk them. Start your own podcast and prove me wrong. Start your own podcast and do better. Expose me. I mean, it's it's that simple. That's all I'm going to that's all I'm going to say on it. It's it's uh it's an, it's sad that it's had to get to the point where I had to bring it up on the podcast, but every time I get feedback, you know, like I said, I take it seriously and I usually address it on the podcast. I thank people for giving me feedback or whatever. So Yeah. Uh, put your ego to rest for one second and realize that not everybody has the same opinions as you. Not everybody can live the same way that you do. Not everyone has been given the same things that you have. Not everybody votes the same way that you do. And it doesn't make them a spewer of right-wing talking points. Doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to talk about what they want to on their own podcast. This person, to be fair, is not saying... I want you to get fucking banned. They're just asking me not to. And I'm telling them politely no. Which is, I'm completely within my right to do so. So, yeah. Put your ego to rest. Calm down. Go on Tinder and uh, build a real personality. Because your political beliefs and who you voted for and all that stuff. The id poll stuff. That's not, those are not personality traits. Sorry. So yeah, this is actually going to be a pretty short episode. I only have a couple things to talk about because um, I was looking through the news. I've been looking, like I said, I look five, six, seven times every day, every couple hours if when I get the chance to, you know, see if there's there are any interesting things to talk about. There are a couple things. Obviously, there's one that I know you guys are waiting to, not waiting specifically for me to talk on, but it's something, uh, you know... It's a very controversial topic, it's a very emotional topic, it's a very nuanced topic, and I'm going to get into that last, but that's Roe v. Wade, of course. First thing I wanted to talk about, so, Patrice Cullors, I've talked about her before, made a TikTok about her, which, by the way, follow me on TikTok, I'm making some uh, fun stuff, posting videos every week, usually one video, one talk a day, um, anyway, Patrice Cullors, the Black Lives Matter co-founder, the one that's been really getting the brunt of the criticism for, you know, taking shadow corporation money for taking for taking uh donor money and using it to buy stuff that like you know vacations around the world properties around the world luxury properties that cost six and a half million dollars or whatever insane amount she's been getting the brunt of the uh criticism from the public and she's been addressing them and i talked about it in the past she had a very lazy very victim mentality kind of response to when the public found out that, you know, 
six and a half million dollars, probably more of donor money was be, was used to buy a luxury home in California. She also apparently, be, not her, but Black Lives Matter apparently has also had a bunch of cash flow from uh, like a, it's kind of like a shadowy tech titan fund so let me pull up this article um yeah i read this earlier to make sure it was there was something actually here but yeah so apparently two and a half million dollars of the 4.2 million dollars in oh okay so i got this wrong so patrice colors the co-founder of black lives matter she also has a separate nonprofit organization called dignity and power now and it got $4.2 million in undisclosed contributions in the year of 2020, which its most recent tax forms show. So this is not some made-up number. And apparently $2.5 million of that was funneled through the Silicon Valley Community Foundation. So this, if you know anything about the Silicon Valley Community Foundation, it's one of those kind of like vanilla generic looking foundations or trusts that people use definitely to launder money definitely definitely to take you know big bucks from shadow corporations to do their bidding and you know the one of the executive directors of dignity and power now was trying to say there's nothing dark or non-transparent about the money when it's clearly undisclosed. It, it, it got funneled through the Silicon Valley Community Foundation, but $4.2 million for in 2020 came from undisclosed contributions. And this person is trying to say, oh, if you dig deep enough, you'll be able to find it. And I, I've, I talked about this a couple times in the past. If you want to donate to any charity or any nonprofit, just make sure that you know what your money is going to. Make sure... They have a good reputation. Make sure they have ethics and morals that align with yours. And make sure, you know, at the end of the day, that they're trustworthy. Because this is the second time now. Who knows how much more Patrice Colors is stealing and leeching from innocent people that think that they're contributing to a worthy cause. Black Lives Matter and this nonprofit, Dignity and Power Now. Just do your research. That's all I, that's all I beg of you. No matter what you do. Anytime you're sending your money, you're throwing your money anywhere, always do research on where you're sending it, especially with charities and nonprofits, especially nowadays. I mean, any nonprofit or any charity organization can be completely shady or doing things like this, taking money from shadow corporations or shadow foundations. Just do your research. It's really simple. And if, if, if you have a gut feeling against donating to a nonprofit or a charity or a foundation you probably should follow the gut feeling that's you know that's all i have to say about that um well wow this is a short episode so next thing i wanted to talk about um apparently th there's been a bit of confusion about this but apparently there was a let me actually pull up the facts as I read them. So I'm going to talk about the uh, Roe v. Wade stuff. So there was a. Let's, let's see. So there was a drafted opinion from the Supreme Court that got leaked. And 
if this so basically what the draft shows is that the supreme court has voted to overturn roe v wade and if you don't know what roe v wade is roe v wade is it's basically federal constitutional protections of abortion rights so it's been the precedent it's been the case that that has always been pointed to with within the supreme court and with issues with abortion it's been scrutinized for the decades since it came into fruition and this opinion if it was to be passed would make abortion illegal in the united states on a federal level i believe and then it would the, the power would be passed down to the states which I'll, i'm going to get into all that a little bit later this is an interesting topic um I've, i think i've stated my stance on abortion many times in the past but i've always been consistent with with my stance on bodily autonomy but i don't think it fully applies and it's fully fair to talk about bodily autonomy especially in cases when abortion is being committed or the act is being fulfilled i guess you could say 3 months in 4 months in 5 months in 6 months in even in some states there are some there are some states that allow abortions after 6 months which or up to 6 months which is that's rough and i'm not sure depending on the the point in the pregnancy which i've never been pregnant i'm not a woman and my wife has never been pregnant so i can't sit here and act like i know what it's like to be pregnant i know when it when it comes to being pregnant a lot of people don't know that they're pregnant until they're 5 or 6 or 7 or i don't know maybe 8 weeks along it's 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 hard to be able to tell that you're pregnant missing a period is a normal occurrence as far as i know so it's tough it's tough where in places like texas you can only get an abortion up to 6 weeks a lot of people don't know that they're pregnant by the time they find out they're pregnant they got to fork up the money they got to find a place that can get them an abortion hope that there's uh <laughs> appointments and go in and get that taken care of like I said, I've been consistent with my bodily autonomy stance, but I, I'm not sure that it applies here when you're killing a potential life. I've heard the argument many times before that if the person was, if the baby was, uh, if it came from rape, the baby was conceived be, uh, because of rape or from incest, then that's the only case in which an abortion should be legal. Um, I've strongly believed that there can be exceptions made in cases like that, but that would not address abortions in bulk. So let me find up, pull up the statistics before. I want to say that less than 1% of all of abortions are carried out due to rape or incest, making 99% of them something else, most likely poor decisions. Um, let me, let me find this real quick. I also do believe that, honestly, the if if I was to, okay, so my stance on this is, I personally will never be involved in, I will never fund, and I will never support an abortion, personally. But on a, from a liberty standpoint, and from a bodily autonomy standpoint, I do not believe that the government should have the right to tell anybody what they can and can't do with their body whether it's good or bad, that's where I've stood 
I've stood by that belief since since I even learned about this. Um, let's see. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. I have I have I've stood by that uh with the COVID vaccine, even with food that you eat, with the diets that you're on. Everything that you do, you do it because you have made the choice. You have to deal with the consequences or maybe the benefits of the choices that you've made. And I feel that way from a liberty standpoint. From a personal standpoint, I would never be involved in it. I think it's gross. I yeah, I think it's horrible. And I think it's even worse when there's a mentally ill person that's like throwing a party or something because they've had their fifth abortion this year or whatever the fuck. I I think people like that need to be checked into a mental institution and never let out and should never be allowed. They should be barred from having kids because if they are to, if a kid is is goes through hell and sur- survives the coat hanger, I don't know what life is going to be like with a person like that. That is not an excuse to get an abortion and be like, oh, this person's a piece of shit. The kid's going to suffer. You got to give the kid a chance. I mean, and also, I don't I don't like that irrational argument of, oh, what if the person causes, or I mean, uh, finds the cure for cancer? Well, what if what if they, they are the next Hitler? I mean, it's, it, the argument could go both ways. That's a lazy, irrational, weak argument. But, so yeah, so I pulled up the statistics, the best, like the, the, I couldn't really find statistics that, that, uh, covered. Oh, here we go. The LA times. So about 1% of patients getting an abortion did so because of rape and less than 0.5% did so because of incest. So this is a study from 2005. I don't know. I don't know any updated statistics, but I imagine it's not that much more. I would hope it's not that much more. I would hope it's less, but that all being said, that would only address that portion of it. I believe that, like I said, abortion is a very nuanced topic. It's a very controversial topic. It's an emotional topic to talk about. I get emotional when I talk about it. I get emotional when I think about it. A lot of people do too. Obviously, there are very extreme people. There's a story that I wanted to talk about today. There is an activist group, a pro-abortion activist group, that threatened to burn the Eucharist in display of disgust towards the Catholic Church. Because, obviously, Catholics... By and large, 99.999% of them do not support abortion, obviously. But the Catholic Catholics are not to blame for the Supreme Court decision. The Catholic Church obviously has been outspoken against abortion for a long time, but burning the Eucharist in a display of disgust for the Catholic Church and Catholic bigotry, that is a f- quick, easy ticket to losing supporters. Because there, I'm sure that there are some people who consider themselves Christian, or they consider consider themselves agnostic, and they respect religion. And when they see people out in the streets threatening to burn symbols of prominent religions because they want the right, because they believe that abortion and killing a developing fetus is healthcare. That is a quick way to lose supporters. So that's no good, obviously. So this is a tough one, obviously. This is a tough one to talk about. It'll be interesting to see if this draft, even if anything comes from the draft, it'll be interesting to see if the Supreme Court changes its tune. If they change, you know, they they, they, 
steer the wheel the other way because of the the backlash. But all I know is, you know, burning down anti-abortion activism groups, I mean, uh, buildings, threatening to burn the Eucharist to own the Catholics, these, these kind of things are not going to help the cause in any way, shape, or form. And it, the, the same goes the other way around. Throwing rocks at people who are on their way to get an abortion, that's, that's also not going to change their mind. That's not going to keep them from wanting to get an abortion. I think it's an issue where, you know, ultimately it relies on, I think the best possible thing to lower the amount of abortions is to increase the quality of sex ed. Yeah, increase the quality of sex ed. Don't introduce it too early. Introduce it when kids are going through puberty and they start to get feelings and they start to contemplate having sex. And within sex ed, you let people know. It's not just, oh, these are STDs that you could get. This is how a baby is born. These are the ovaries. Also let them know, like, hey, do the baby carrying exercise. Let them know, hey, this is how much diapers cost. This is how often that you you have to change a diaper. This is how much baby formula costs. This is how you pump breast milk. This is how you raise a kid. This is These are the stages of development. This is all part of sex ed, in my opinion. It's not just sex ed, but also child education. This should be mandatory in all schools. This would not only decrease the level of taboo that surrounds sex, especially for people that live in conservative and religious households, but informing people of the risks of something rather than shielding them from it, has overwhelmingly positive benefits. Kids should know what it's like to raise a kid and what could happen if you have unprotected or unsafe sex. One of them is having a kid. And nobody, when they're in high school, is ready to be a parent. Nobody in middle school is ready to be a parent. Nobody, a lot of, most people, when they become adults, are not ready to be parents. They haven't even gotten started. They've barely gotten started yet. So that's where I, I truly believe, you know, overturning Roe v. Wade may be a way to significantly stunt the amount of abortions in the United States. But it'll definitely lead to backdoor, back alley, unsafe, shady abortions. Doesn't mean they should completely run free. But I don't think that that's the best solution. I think you should attack the problem at its foundation. And the foundation, I believe, is that people, kids are not being, kids are making adult or big kid um, decisions and they don't, they can't fully contemplate the consequences. I've talked about this before. The prefrontal cortex, largely responsible for decision-making when it comes to the long-term is not fully developed on average until the age of 25. So you're talking about, you're not going to prevent kids 100% from having sex. It's not possible. But you can educate them. You can educate them, educate them, educate them. Educating kids on sex is only going to help reduce the amount of people that have unwanted pregnancies and that want and decide to get an abortion. I think... That's a first step. I don't think that'll completely remedy the issue. There will always be people who who make poor decisions without the future in mind. 
And getting an abortion also is a way for someone to rationalize their shitty, their poor decision, rationalize their poor behavior, and it's kind of an escape for them. Because then they realize, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm giving I'm being given this out this outing, so that must mean what I did wasn't completely wrong, you know. Someone's helping me escape from this. Obviously, it wasn't the wrong thing to do. Maybe they'll do it again in the future, and that's another life that's being destroyed. I also believe, at the end of the day, one of the few 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 cases and scenarios in which an abortion might be um, appropriate is when the life of the woman or the life of the baby or both are at extreme risk of, of, you know, of losing their lives, of dying, um, because of a deformity or a birth defect or whatever, or, you know, just, just harm is being done to the woman, to the pregnant woman. That's one of the few instances when I think it can be discussed. It can be talked about if that, if that is an option, it it might be appropriate. I'm not saying I, I would support it either way. But that's me personally. Like I said, I, I will never tell someone what they what they sh- what they have to do with their body, and that's how I feel about it. I believe I, you know, I'm, I, I've always been open to discuss this with people. I've talked about this with a with a friend recently, and we we covered all ends of it, and we kind of met, you know, we we came to the same agreement. Like, hey, we personally will never pay for one or fund one or be there to support someone or you know be married to, God forbid, or be with someone who gets one. Or, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying, like, if someone got an abortion 10 years ago, I'm never, you know, we'll never date them or whatever. Obviously, I'm married. But what I mean is I'm never going to be in a relationship and then actively support my partner and tell them and, you know, encourage them to go get one. And we came to the agreement, like, hey, personally, we wouldn't, we don't support it. But... We can't tell other people what they can and can't do with their body. We can, but that's stupid. That would be irresponsible. That would be that would be very inconsistent of me, seeing as, you know, seeing my stance for the past over two years on COVID and the vaccine and the masks and all that stuff. Anyway, yeah, that's gonna cover it. And uh let me look. That's that's actually everything on my list. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope it wasn't too petty in the beginning. I hope I wasn't spewing too many uh, right-wing talking points. And yeah, I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the donations, which there have been zero, which is fine. Oh, and also follow me on TikTok, ZenIndependentlyMindedPod. I do do a little bit of, you know, previewing for topics that I discuss on, on on this podcast, obviously, and then a little bit of meaningful, uh, useful facts that you probably didn't learn in school. So I'm having fun with it. People are liking it. I'm getting good reception with them. So hop on there if you guys have a TikTok. If not, it's probably better that you stay off of it. I would rather you stay off TikTok than support me on TikTok because at the end of the day, I'm probably going to quit it in six months anyways. But anyway, I'll catch you guys on the next episode. I do have a recommendation. I recommended last time Pusha T's new album. I will recommend the song called Dreaming of the Past by Pusha T. It's in his new album. Kanye West is featuring in it. Beautiful hook, beautiful instrumental, beautiful lyrics from Pusha T. Short verse from Kanye, but it's a great song. I recommend that. And uh, 
If you get done with that song, check out another song from the album called Just So You Remember. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you for the support. I'll catch you on the next one. As always, stay safe. Stay away from those crazies out there. Thank you. Thank you.